Welcome to Pixelated Audio, episode 14. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a very pink character that got his start in monochrome. another episode of pixelated audio your bi-weekly video game music and retro gaming podcast i'm brian and with me as always is james hey we've got some pretty iconic tracks from a game that debuted on nintendo's 1989 handheld but it's gonna be a pretty fun and lighthearted episode couldn't imagine a serious kirby episode after all you know yeah me either anyways so yeah the topic today is kirby's dreamland series on the game boy and to be a little bit more specific, it's Kirby's Dreamland and the direct sequel, Kirby's Dreamland 2. There's a lot of other titles in the series, but we felt that these two set Kirby off in an awesome direction. While they have a lot of differences, they really share a lot in common being on the same platform. Right. Lots of differences, but lots of qualities they share. The first game is really important to me, and I have a really, really good memory with it, you know, and the music's always going to be forever embedded in my brain. The track we came in with was the title screen from Kirby's Dream Land 1, composed by Jun Ishikawa. And I think it was such a great track to set this series off on a good start. Like, super fun and happy and just kind of really creative. Yeah, very bubbly and just, like I was saying earlier, I just want to dive through a pool of popcorn when I hear it. Yeah. (laughs) You know... You know, yeah, and I feel like the music actually, it, it seemed like the, a musical version of Kirby. Like he's fun and, and round and silly and, and the music really kind of felt like that. And it's really cool because right when you turn on the Game Boy, there's almost no loading. You know, it brings up like a few logos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like the title screen, bam, and you get this, mm-hmm. this really just cheerful, happy track. And um, makes you, you know, want to start it up and see what you're going to experience. Yeah, and I mean, and it's oh, they have such great, fun animations in these games. They, just right from the start, they, it wasn't just like some really simple game. Like, they did a really good job, you know, putting together a great game that started off this new iconic series. Right. So, anyways, we have a lot to cover. But let's go ahead and get started with Kirby's Dream Land 1 and then move over to the sequel. Kirby's Dream Land, or Hoshi no Kirby in Japan, was released for the Nintendo Game Boy in 1992, developed by HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo. Also released on the 3DS eShop in 2011. But let's quickly bring up HAL Laboratory, the company responsible for Kirby, Smash Brothers, and the Mother series. Good idea. Yeah, so HAL Labs is a game developer that was founded in 1980 and started off doing titles for the MSX and the VIC-20, but later began developing strictly for Nintendo and its platforms. The relationship between the two companies gets kind of complicated, but to put it short, Nintendo bailed HAL Labs out during a financial rough patch, and because of the support, HAL became almost like a member of the Nintendo family, even though the companies are financially independent from one another. Right, and to go a step further with the relationship between the two companies, when this bailout occurred, Nintendo was like, okay, so we want you guys to make games for us, but the president of HAL was like, that's fine, but you know, we'd like to see Satoru Iwata become the president of Nintendo. And this is interesting because if you know a little bit about Iwata, he got his career kicked off as a software engineer at HAL. Yeah, and that's really cool. You know, there's a lot of company overlap. Oh, and by the way, HAL got its name simply because every letter in HAL is one letter before IBM, which is just really interesting. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. But anyways, back to Kirby. 
So to reiterate, Kirby's Dream Land was released in 1992 on the Game Boy. The game itself had mostly positive reviews, but was a major success for HAL Labs. And by 1995, it had sold 1.3 million copies worldwide. Yeah, whether you liked it or not, it's been on several top Game Boy charts over its life. And I remember like every kid I knew that had a Game Boy in school had this game. Like everybody talked about it. Right. Masahiro Sakurai was the game director, and you might know him from some other Kirby games as well as Smash Brothers. Yeah, he was also the designer for Meteos on the DS, which I couldn't put down for months. The game was so amazing. Yeah, he was also the director of Kid Icarus Uprising, and um, I don't know why, but he also did some of the voices of King DDD and a few Kirby games. But anyways, he said he wanted to create a game that even beginner players could play and make it all the way through. Yeah, it wasn't a very challenging game at all, but even when I was like, I don't know, 10 or so, I think I, you know, I played it again last week and mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it took me like, I don't maybe 30 minutes to beat. I'm not sure, but you know, now that I think about it, it was probably something my parents got from my brother. Yeah, I mean, he's a few years younger, so that's probably it. You know, I always hated trading games with my brothers and stuff. Yeah, we trade games all the time, so it's kind of like a communal thing, I guess. Right. Anyways, I think we should get into our first set of music. All right, let's do it. The game was solely composed by Jun Ishikawa, who joined HAL Labs around 1991, but became a regular composer for the Kirby games over the years. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet lineup of titles he's worked on, like Kirby Superstar, Adventure, Air Ride, Canvas Curse, and so on. Yeah, and we've got three tracks for this block to play here. So first up, we have Green Greens, Float Islands, and Bubbly Clouds.
That was Green Greens, Float Islands, and Bubbly Clouds, composed by June Ishikawa for Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy. That first track, Green Greens, is so iconic. Like it just to me, that feels like uh, as soon as I hear it, that's Kirby. More than the title screen or the any anything else in the game, that's the the song that I remember. Yeah. Is is a kid just? It, I always you know love playing that level. I played it over and over, especially if I had very limited time, like before like piano practice or like a soccer game or yeah. you know something before school even i would just make it through that level and then like you know go off and do whatever i had to do so you know limited time limited battery power so right yeah and i mean for the first level i mean because that was stage one it had such a, a, a noticeable sound like that whistling is my favorite part of the, the track it's just so bright and fun and i mean kirby just set out on this this whole adventure so it just makes you feel like you're just right out of the gate having so much fun and just playing around with the the float mechanics and you know sucking things up and stuff like that it's just so fun i could just sit there and like eat things all day with <laughs> yeah Kirby, it's so. it's a it's just a goofy the whole soundtrack is just like this really whimsical goofy mm-hmm. you know feel the whole way through like the whole the whole game i mean i feel like you know the game itself makes me feel like i should be like chasing butterflies or eating cupcakes all day or you know yeah, it's, it's just so it's it's funny yeah, well, I mean, I think those things you listed, those are things that Kirby does in his spare time when he's not saving Dreamland. <laughs> right. And, eating cupcakes all day. And the syncopation in that track is really cool. Um, there's a lot of stuff. The Game Boy only has a mono speaker, but if you mm-hmm. listen through headphones as a kid, you get to hear, you know, the the music in its entirety. It's really, really Yeah, bad. I mean, that stereo flutter that it kind of has, it was really cool. I really liked in that track. Yeah, so that was stage one. Float Islands, that's stage three. I, I thought it was a, a really cool track. The the noise channel there is is really, really cool. It has um, the, the drum, drum track basically mm-hmm. is, you know, it, it, it keeps you moving forward. It feels like really floaty. I mean, it's it's called Float Islands, but you get the sense that, you know, you're kind of floating along and it, I don't know, just really kind of light. Yeah, I mean, and I think that can kind of be achieved a little bit with those really long trailing notes. It makes you feel like, like you're not, um, like it kind of adds to that floaty mechanical feel like the like Kirby's not coming down very fast. So the notes are not ending very quickly. So it's kind of like everything is just drawn out and you're going slower. Right. It's a very hard thing to like sum up in like describe in words. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I got your drift there. Well, I mean, the, in the titles for these tracks, I think are named very well for the feel that they were going for. I mean, it definitely describes the level. But it also describes the sound, I think, too. Yeah. And the next track, Bubbly Clouds, that's from stage four. Mm-hmm. And again, just really light, kind of floaty, you know, all the way through the track. It's 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 nice. I like it a lot. Yeah. And to me, even though I know the whole level is not an auto scroller, I felt that the music had an auto scroller feel to it. Like there wasn't a lot of highs and lows and ups and downs. It was it felt like it was very. Uh, like pushing me forward throughout the level, like like keep going and, and you know get to the end. Even though I know that it's a lot, a lot of games do that where they have the auto scrollers where it's it forces you to keep moving. Yeah. But uh, for this, it just the music really made me feel like I want to keep going. Yeah. No, I like it a lot. the The game isn't known for its story though. In fact, I didn't really even remember there was a story until looking it up. But there is a reason behind the motive. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty common for a lot of early games. I can probably sum it up in a sentence here. So. King Dedede and his minions steal all of Dreamland's food and also this thing called the Sparkling Star, I guess, that they use to harvest whatever it is they eat in Dreamland. Right. And so Kirby sets off to get it all back and teach King Dedede a lesson. And as far as gameplay goes, it's a pretty simple 2D side-scrolling platformer, like many others from the 80s and 90s, where you move forward towards a goal while defeating enemies and avoiding obstacles. 
Everyone knows Kirby, a very iconic character, but he still plays a little different than we know him today. He's a pink puffy thing with nubby arms and tiny red feet. In this game, he can jump, duck, and fly around the viewable area of the screen by inflating himself as well as inhale objects and enemies to spit them back out as a weapon. Overall, the, you know, the game's got pretty tight controls. Right, and unlike other platformers like Mario, for example, Kirby can't touch his enemies. Um, he can't jump on them or anything like that. The real difference with Kirby in this game specifically is that he didn't yet have the ability to do the copycat moves. But you are able to pick up a few items like spicy curry that allows you to spit fireballs as well as a minty leaf that creates these quick puffs of air to destroy enemies or obstacles. The game consists of five levels, each with a mid-boss and a final boss before you take on King DDD. Uh, there's some pretty well-remembered levels, though, like Green Greens, that we played the music from a few minutes ago that kind of paved the way for that Kirby motif that we've seen throughout other games. Yeah, and after you get through all the stages, you actually have to take all the bosses on again prior to your battle with King DDD. And since it's on the original Game Boy, it's got that monotone color palette, but all the sprites and level design is really clear and clean. Yeah, it's very easy to distinguish all of the components. Yeah, and even for its simplicity, the polish is really well done, and the contrasts are properly utilized to make it very easy to see what's going on. It's worth pointing out, too, that, you know, the Game Boy only had a 160 by 144 resolution display, so there isn't much room to begin with. But I agree that everything fits well, and it doesn't feel cluttered at all. Right. Anyways, we got some more tracks to play, so let's get those going. Yeah, we're going to start with Spicy Food Minty Leaf, and that's the power-up curry you can get. And then we're going to play boss music, and following that, we're going to play Mount DDD, and then lastly, the ending music.
That was Spicy Food, Minty Leaf, Boss, Mount DDD, and The Ending, composed by June Ishikawa for Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy. All of those tracks are a lot different than the stage music that we heard before. Mm-hmm. A lot more up-tempo, a lot faster. I think that you know, Spicy Food, Minty Leaf really was always kind of always kind of stressed me out because it's like that i think you were saying earlier you were saying like it has that that yeah, mario kind of yeah kind of like you know mario star like it's it's the music is very recognizably different than the rest of the music in that level to kind of make it stand out i think it, and it makes you get that feeling like hey this isn't going to last long so i gotta like use it while i have it yeah. kind of thing so i i like that track so we had to throw it in there because it is kind of something that you'll hear every now and then in the game and it it changes everything else that's going on, whatever level you're in. So, yeah. And doesn't Kirby move a little differently when he's got that? Like he's like a little bit more in like a panic mode. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when he eats the, the spicy curry, he's, yeah, he's like, like his hot, mouth hot, is hot. burning and yeah. he's like throwing it. I mean, you see this in like you smash. It's yeah, like that's... one of the things that comes back and you see it a lot in Japanese games. They spicy curry, you know, yeah. it's always one of the power. They get extra animated. <laughs> exactly. And then um, the minty leaf too is where he's like puffing out that, you know, he's inflated and he's just yeah. puffing out constant air and you know destroying stuff with that i think those are with the auto scroll levels usually yeah but um the, the next track the boss music is the first sense of kind of urgency that we mm-hmm. get in the game and we hear this um against the i think it's the whispering woods that that first boss and all the other bosses they get the same boss music it's really cool though i you know i get this kind of fluttering kind of feel it's a very simple track right there's not a lot of stuff going the the, the bass kind of is the only tone that you're really hearing other than you know that fluttering so it's kind of like dun 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 yeah it has a little bit more of a i mean not dark because none of the kirby songs really get dark but it has a little bit darker feel than the the high floaty stuff but um and, and i think one of the things too that really amps up that intensity for it is that you're in such a small space like it, the the level doesn't move around. So you just boss. have that Game Boy screen. That that's yeah. it. it. So you got to duck and dodge all in that same space. Right. And then the the next one on there is Mount DDD, and that that's probably the most hardcore Kirby gets. Yeah. You know, like that's that's a really I like that track. I think that's probably my favorite track. No, same here. When game. I when I first heard it, I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Like this is like don't mess with Kirby like he's coming for you. Yeah, now. it's not as iconic as like Green Greens, but right. it's still, it's it's a cool track. Like yeah. I, I, I really dig it. I think it's really cool. Um, the last one, the ending, you know, it's it's weird. It's it's kind of contrary to what you would think of a normal ending. A lot of like ending music is very somber, slow. Mm-hmm. This is still pretty upbeat. It's even though the, the credits are rolling, it's still, it's still very fun, lighthearted and, right. you know, quick moving. Yeah, and one one of the things I really liked about this block was that each song seemed to get a little bit more, like, not really dark, but yeah, like edgy. And then the ending, it's kind of like back to this, like, super fun, like, now it's over and you did it and now you're Kirby's friend and, you know, it's jumping around and it's just such a great song. I think it just was... It really made the ending feel happy. Like, and, you know, sometimes when you beat a game, you're like, oh, no, I beat it. Now there's nothing new to learn about it. And it just it kind of really felt rewarding. I yeah. Think. And, you know, Juni Shikawa, he did a lot of really cool stuff with the limitations of the Game Boy. There's only four mm-hmm. channels. Basically, like kind of contrary to what people think, you know, the Game Boy doesn't actually have its own individual sound chip. It actually has the main CPU that handles the sound routines as well as like the sound output. And I think that's what makes it interesting, too. Actually, you know, I studied a lot about this a long mm-hmm. time ago. 
And do you mind if I get technical for a little bit? Yeah, I think this is a good spot to kind of simplify it for everyone. And, you know, even for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to overwhelm even myself, too. So, yeah. yeah all right. So I'll, I'll put the tech docs in the, the show notes as well, just in case somebody is interested. I don't know. But I for me, I'm, I'll, I'll put it in there. Yeah. You know, all right. That'll that'll work. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we could do like a cool little live demo right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me let me see what I got here. Um, let me fire it up real quick. So on this machine, I only have audio overload, I think, and that uses the Boycott Z80 core driver. I don't use it for Game Boy ripping or any kind of thing like that, mm -hmm. but um, it's pretty good. So, okay, so the basics are, um, before I actually start the music, um, the basics are that this pseudo audio processing unit of the Game Boy, like I said, it doesn't have its own dedicated chip. Right. Anyways, it's consisted of four different channels. So like four different streams of audio can be played at a given time. The first two channels, let me go ahead and turn those on here. Uh, let's see. Um, so let's start off with n none of the channels on. The first two channels are the pulse wave oscillators with volume envelopes. I believe one can do a sweep, which is that, you know, pew kind of mm -hmm. sound. And let me turn those on. Those are two of the same kind of channels, but they can be used differently. So those are both on now. And this is the first green greens level. So okay. it's something that, you know, is kind of iconic. So we can hear that this is kind of playing the kind of... It's not playing the melody, but it's more of like the the support role, right? In what's going on. So the third the third channel is actually a programmable wave uh, waveform channel that can be used to play back samples, and this is really cool because it's basically like a four bit sampler. Mm -hmm. It's really really cool. So they can do the the composer can do a lot of different things with this channel. So let's go ahead and turn that on. You can kind of hear here how they use it in this track. So you can kind of get a sense of that that third channel now. And then the last channel is actually the noise channel. And we see this a lot in like drum, you know, drums and stuff for the Game Boy. It's mm -hmm. used a lot. So let me go ahead and uh, do that here. And so yeah, you, you can, can hear, hear that kick in. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's really really cool how even though the Game Boy is very simple, there's really a lot that the composer can do and kind of work with they have those those two pulse wave oscillators so like you can kind of have that set for you know kind of background kind of music and stuff it doesn't have to be you know the solo star and everything but that third programmable waveform they they can just do whatever they want with it it's really right. really cool and then the noise that's always going to be your drum track so i think it's i think it's pretty cool how the the game boy sound format works and yeah yeah, no, so. and I think that's a pretty good explanation to see like how the the tracks are put together with the the different volumes and the different um, specific things that each type of track can do to put all four of them together. So you can kind of get that variety and see how each composer can kind of play with them in a little bit of a different way. Right, right. So yeah, really, despite the limitations of the hardware, there's really a lot programmers could do with it. I guess that's why it's so popular in the modern chiptune music. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Before moving over to Dreamland 2, since this is the first appearance of Kirby on any platform, I want to bring up a few things in his development, you know, some really cool stuff. Yeah, good call. I remember you telling me some stuff earlier. So we were saying that Masahiro Sakurai created Kirby. Right. But Kirby, as we know him, like today, was originally just a placeholder sprite for the dev team called Popo Po. po which is why he's this ball-like shape with legs and eyes. But the dev team, especially Sakurai, ended up keeping the sprite as the final iteration because he thought it really served the character better. I know that Sakurai wanted him to be pink, but I think Miyamoto wanted him to be yellow. Yeah, and even the promotional art for the stuff in the States, you know, like the box art, Kirby is white, 
which is most likely to reflect his in-game look of the Game Boy's black and white palette. Yeah, it's crazy to look at Kirby on the box art now after we've seen him pink for so long. It's cool how, you know, at, at that time, they didn't expect the success of the franchise to boom like it did, so things were taken a lot more literal. No kidding. Also, Kirby's name isn't random either. I think it was on the Kirby Wikia page that said it actually comes from John Kirby, an American lawyer who defended Nintendo in the Universal versus Nintendo case of 1984. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. The Donkey Kong versus King Kong likeness, right? Exactly. But I think it's actually time to get over to Dreamland 2. Kirby's Dream Land 2 was again published by Nintendo and developed by HAL Labs, released three years later in 1995 on the Game Boy, but also had some extra content for the Super Game Boy. Yeah, and the Super Game Boy came out in 1994, so Nintendo was probably trying to push developers to do little extras in their projects. Um, I actually just found one the other day at a Goodwill, but you actually had one growing up, right? Yeah, I did. I still do, actually. But um, basically, it's just an adapter for the Game Boy, you know, Game Boy games to be played on the mm-hmm. Super NES. It didn't have full color palette or anything like that that it added to the games but it you could change like the hue and it some games included like a wallpaper to replace the black bars since the game boy resolution was a lot smaller than the you know standard tv okay so the story for dreamland 2 is that the rainbow bridges that connect the seven islands have been stolen by dark matter you're probably thinking it's king ddd well yes and no it's ddd but he's possessed by dark matter and his goal is conquering dreamland So Kirby isn't actually alone this time. He's got three animal buddies that help him out while he travels to the different islands. And in order to defeat Dark Matter, you have to have previously collected all seven rainbow drops, one from each island. And when you do, Kirby gets the rainbow sword to separate King DDD from Dark Matter. And after defeating Dark Matter, Kirby creates a new rainbow bridge restoring peace to dreamland. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) You explained that quite nicely, sir. Good job. (laughs) Thanks. And this is also the only game where Dark Matter is the main antagonist for what it's worth. All right. So we have two new composers for this game, Hirokazu Ando and Tarashi Ikegami. Ikegami worked at HAL Labs and is credited for sound work help on numerous games like Kirby's Pinball, Kirby's Nightmare in Dreamland, and Canvas Curse. But Hirokazu Ando is more like Jun Ishikawa's other half. Right, and they work together on most of HAL Labs' titles, but Ando is actually a very valuable asset and composer on his own. This block, we're going to play four tracks. All are pretty short, but we'll start with the title theme. Following that, we'll have Grassland, Big Forest, and then the Red Canyon.
That was Title Theme, Grassland, Big Forest, and Red Canyon for Kirby's Dreamland 2 on the Game Boy, composed by Hirokazu Ando and Tadashi Ikigami. Very cool, like that, you know, that title music, it's, I like it, but it's not as memorable to me as the first one. I mean, obvious, okay, so I didn't play Dreamland 2 as a kid. I mm. only recently played it. I don't have the same, I don't have the same nostalgia for it. So it doesn't have the, I mean, I'm, there's a lot of people that really, really like this game. Right. And so for them hearing it, this probably, like, Oh man, that's, that's, that's great. Like yeah. I love that track. Um, I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was, it, it has that same kind of really bubbly Kirby vibe. They nail it right on the title screen. So I, I like the track. It just doesn't have the same memorable feel to me as the other one. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I only played both of them recently. I never played them at either one of them as a kid, but I can definitely see how the Dreamland One had a little bit more of a, a a feel that could stick in your head a little bit. But for that first theme song, I thought it had a little bit of a different feel than Dreamland One. It wasn't quite as right. like crazy, like insanely bubbly. And to me, the the type of a song, not necessarily the actual sound of the song, but the type of the song really reminded me a lot of like the Benny Hill theme song, like the, <laughs> right. the running around, like it just kind of like there was this yeah. endless kind of silly fun without being so like over the top, like silly. Yeah, yeah, I know. I see that. And the the next track on there, Grassland, that that's the first level, I believe, right? And so, mm-hmm. or the first world that you play in. And, you know, it's... It's still a it's a really cool track, but the thing that I noticed a lot that the other Kirby's have uh, the other Kirby game has a lot more like long drawn out notes, like more mm-hmm. of a, a melody that you can kind of sing along with almost, you know, right. like a kid like a children's sing along song almost. There's more variety in the notes, I think. Right, yeah. but in this, it seems like they're uh, you know the the composers are using a lot more staccatos and mm-hmm. like very like you know ta 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 and all the, all the notes are very you know, distinguished on their own, but very separated. Right. And we didn't see that as much in the first one, even though it was the same, you know, the pace is the same. It's still fast paced and, you know, kind of childlike, kind of happy fun, Mm -hmm. but it does have a, you know, a different feel because of those staccatos, I think. Well, and I think that kind of matches with this game a little bit too. Like this game was a little bit more difficult than the first one. Like we'd mentioned, the first one was designed for anyone to beat. I really feel like the the this track was a little more like chill kind of. It was a little more laid back to me. Right, right, right. And then the Big Forest, you know, it's still just a really fast paced track. I don't remember the level that much. Do you do you happen to remember Big Forest? No, but I, I just remember that this track is super fast paced. To me, it felt like really like chaotic and kind of crazy compared to some of the other songs that we're used to hearing for Kirby. Right, and it's funny because like I recently just played this game too all the way through. We both did and. I remember a lot of the levels, but for some reason, Big Force, I just can't remember. The mm. The music is, you know, it's okay. It's it's still doesn't have that that thing that grabs me usually in a, mm. in a track. But I thought it was cool to add in here because of that, that fast-paced thing. So I'm glad we picked that. The Red Canyon is probably m- my favorite in this block. It's I'd say it has the, the catchiest melody. I, mm-hmm. I think that kind of describes it. I think, I, I don't know, do you agree with that? Yeah, and, and I think compared to Big Force, it's another one that's more chill, kind of relaxed feeling, which I really liked, and, and it was more of a fun feel for me. So it was something that resonated a little bit more with me with Kirby. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot more levels in this game. A than lot there, more. A lot more. So that's what there's a lot more music to play and a lot more music to pick from. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to kind of play, like in the first block of our Kirby 1 area, we, we played a lot of level music. and. Mm-hmm. And that we kind of wanted to bring that into this too, into into Kirby Two as well. We wanted to show you some, you know, show you guys some of the level music. If you play the game and you have, you're very familiar with this, you know, let us know in the comments. 
but I, I don't have a lot of experience with it other than just recently playing it. So let's talk about the gameplay and maybe what makes this game different than its predecessor. Yeah, so again, Kirby's run, jump, fly, and inhale mechanics are all still there. And like the previous game, it's a 2D platformer, but in Dreamland 2, is actually pretty long and difficult in some areas. Yeah, it's not crazy hard, but definitely more of a challenge than the first game. The world is set up different now, too. The first game is on more on rails, I guess, taking you directly to the next level. In Dreamland 2, you have a world map that you can jump back and forth between already beaten worlds, um, each with different doors on them. So where the first is more like Mario 1, this is a little bit more like Mario 3 in comparison. And once you beat a door, another one unlocks. So for those of you that have played a more recent Kirby's game, like, I don't know, Epic Yarn on the Wii, it's kind of like that. You can go back to the beaten worlds, but you don't get to choose what door opens up next. But yeah, otherwise, very similar gameplay to Dreamland 1. So the main difference is the addition of three animal buddies that Kirby can meet up with. There's Rick the Hamster that Kirby can ride on. Uh, he runs a little faster and doesn't slip on ice. There's Koo the Owl that can carry him, letting him fly everywhere, even the really windy areas instead of his usual float mechanics. And Kind, the ocean sunfish, that Kirby rides in his mouth and can swim against the strong underwater currents. But yeah, he's pretty bad on land. Yeah, I barely liked using him in the water. On land, it was a total waste of time. I actually played a lot of the large platforming sections and auto-scrolling areas with him. And he's super slow for walking, but if you just jump everywhere, he's not too bad. Yeah, when you partner up with one of these animals, the music switches over and plays there, I guess respected theme songs so next block we're going to be playing rick's theme ku's theme and kind's theme composers are hirokazo ando and tarashi ikigami
You just heard Rick's theme, Koo's theme, and Kine's theme for Kirby's Dreamland 2 on the Game Boy. These are fun short tracks. Um, you only hear these when you're riding one of the the animals or you're you know inside one of the animals or whatever yeah. it is, <laughs> and you get to hear this no matter where you are in the stage, no matter what level. And so whatever music was playing prior to you getting one of these little buddies, mm-hmm. the music totally switches over to this. So it's kind of cool, and it could last as long as you're riding him so it's yeah i spent a lot of the game actually attached to one of the animals because of the extra damage that you could take on because the animal actually took some damage and, yeah uh, there was there was a place I, I forgot there was one world that i think i played like three or four of the doors and went all the way through because like i was with Koo, i think the, yeah, the, the bird yeah and i got the i inhaled the thunder ability or spark ability mm-hmm. and i was able to just kind of plow through all of those levels like real quick even the mini bosses that were in there it was like I, they couldn't even touch me so it was like i was like man am i cheating is like is this like okay to do and yeah it was cool well, like and, it. and that's actually one cool thing too to bring up real quickly is that all the animals when you inhaled the same type of thing they each did it a little bit differently like so if right. you inhaled the spark one like i think the hamster he like kind of lights up kind of like pikachu or something right and then Koo actually shot a Sh- thunderbolt straight thunderbolt, down yeah. and then kine actually shoots like a light bulb out of his mouth which oh, kind of blows right. up that's right that's right cool. i was like I was like, what is he shooting out there? Yeah. Because yeah. you have to time it actually for like who you're, whoever's in front of you. If it's mm-hmm. like somebody floating up and down, it's really hard to time yeah. out. But it's really cool. Rick's theme, I and I think this is kind of true with all of the, the themes of the animals, is that they all had a very distinct sound to me. And right. Like for me, Rick's theme especially had this very Latin sound. I got this mm-hmm. really kind of kind of latin vibe from it i don't know how like a maybe like a silly fun latin because that i right, thought Rick's right, theme right. was very very much i felt would have fit very well into the first dreamland game it was very fun and kind of bubbly and i mean he's a silly little hamster and, and it's really funny especially when you're listening to that song and you think of you know that cute little kirby riding on the back of a hamster yeah you know? it's, it's pretty it's pretty bad yeah. <laughs> anyways Koo's theme like and see this is where it kind of they all have that feel to me is that Koo's theme so Rick's theme felt like that Latin influence yeah. and then Koo's theme had that kind of Spanish flamenco feel to me it felt like a little a little darker a little faster mm-hmm. um, a little more you know kind of kind of sexy flamenco thing going on yeah I mean he was Koo's he even looked a little bit darker and he had a little bit of an angry look, kinda, look to him yeah, he did look kind of um, pissed off so the uh the that song matched him a lot I felt like because like the hamster Rick looked really fun and then Koo looked a little bit more like dangerous like oh I'm grabbing Kirby and it kind of looks like you're he's flying away with you like how an eagle catches a fish but right. you know he's like your friend so he's helping you out right and then Kine's theme I got this kind of Samba vibe mm-hmm. from it I got this really kind of long drawn out nose I just I just thought I don't know for me it all had kind of a Spanish or Latin influence mm-hmm. and I thought and, it was cool and for Kind, he he kind of looks like an idiot like he just looks like a dumb fish it would yeah. be right in his mouth so i thought like the, his eyes are all cross-eyed and you're like yeah, just, yeah and, I, and I, this guy kicked in the head or something <laughs> yeah and i thought um it, the song to me was more simple than some of the other songs to kind of go with his personality a little bit more but i thought it was still really fun and silly which was pretty cool to me yeah the game was an instant hit i mean lots of people really love the game and it sold over like a million units pretty quick yeah i mean in nintendo power listed it as its 10th best game boy slash game boy color game ever like you know you know and praising it for its abilities the new ability actually to gain powers by eating enemies and taking it on yeah the game's also noted for being one of the hardest games to obtain completion like a completion rating of 100 percent. it's 
it's really weird because I, when I played through it, there's a lot that I felt was did I miss something? Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt there was a lot of things that I may have missed. Like there's an area where that I got to and I saw an object that I couldn't quite get. I needed a certain ability to get mm-hmm. there. And I realized like, well, there's no going back at this point. I can't go back to this part mm-hmm. through the level. So I'm going to just continue forward. And I go through the door and get to the boss. And I realized, wait, you know, I really, I missed that item. I don't mm-hmm. know what it was. It was some shiny twinkly star something I right know. i mean there's definitely areas where you haven't gotten kind yet but you're underwater and you're seeing like the strong current keeping you from getting stars and going into different doors so you could kind of get kind and then go back to the, the previous world and then go into the water like you'd have to keep him with you and get back to that part but there was definitely some backtracking feel for this game to definitely play it more and find more stuff so i can totally see how this game would be really hard to collect everything Graphics are fairly similar to Kirby's Dream Land 1. Did anything stand out to you? Well, the game has the same monotone color palette as the previous and looks just as clean and beautiful. It's well designed with a lot of stylized textures. And for me, I guess it feels like how movie historians view old black and white, you know, James Stewart or Cary Grant or Grace Kelly movies. This this game is definitely a classic masterpiece. If you played the game on the Super Game Boy, the border or bezel or whatever had a pattern of the animal buddies. Now, I didn't actually check it out, but apparently on the Super Game Boy, each level got its own special color theme. Not full colors, obviously, but instead of like gray, you know, the level would be yellow or green. Like I said, I didn't try it out, but I guess there were some other features like that. I can't be too sure, though. It was also interesting to find out that this game was slotted to be remade for the Game Boy Color as Kirby's Dreamland 2 DX, but for whatever reason was canceled along with Metroid 2 Return of Samus DX. Thankfully, we didn't see that happen with Link's Awakening, but I mean, all three of those games together would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been way cool. The game was released on the 3DS in North America in 2013, which is how we both played it, actually. Right. And it's the first time I played it, like I said earlier, you know, so it was it was good for me to be able to go back to the eShop and just pick it up and have a very easy, quick way to play it. Yeah, same here. I guess it was also part of the Kirby 20th anniversary Wii game. And we've got one last block of tracks before we wrap up our Kirby episode, and we're pretty excited about them. We're going to play Boss Battle, Dark Castle, and end it off with the Staff Roll.
That was Boss Battle, Dark Castle, and the staff role for Kirby's Dream Land 2 on the Game Boy, composed by Hirokazu Ando and Tadashi Ikegami. Uh, for Boss Battle, I really like how it kind of switches back and forth between like intense and more intense, and then, you know, kind of back and <laughs> right. forth. Right. So you got half intensity and then you got full intensity. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's a lot, still a lot of staccatos, a lot more bassy than mm-hmm. some of the other tracks. And I think that's that's pretty cool. I mean, the bosses are a lot bigger, so they wanted to maybe use a lot more bass to kind of mm-hmm. signify that, hey, these are don't mess around with these guys, even though they're super cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the next track, Dark Castle. I I think this might be my favorite track in the you know other than Ku's theme. Mm-hmm. I think this might be my my second favorite track. Yeah, no, it's a pretty cool one. I love how it's uh you know pretty fast paced, and I, I like those really high kind of chimey notes that it has. It's just a really super cool track that kind of keeps you guessing like you're you kind of think that it's gonna keep looping or it's not really gonna change much and then it, it kind of changes the pace of the song or or the types of notes they play right it's really like, like a surprise yeah there's a lot of syncopation you know syncopated beats and i think that 30 seconds in or 25 seconds or something like that and all of a sudden like the melody starts play or this high you know kind of fluty trumpety mm-hmm. thing starts playing and i was like oh wow that's that's like way cool i i totally dig that and then then it goes away and then yeah. it kind of pops in and out every now and then it's a little bit longer track than some of the other ones right and i'm um, saying that so there's a little bit more time that they have so instead of just your loop and trying to squash everything into like this 30 second block and then loop it a few times they had a little bit more freedom to in in this track specifically a little bit more freedom to elongate those those areas mm-hmm. because this castle might be you know take you several hours to be who knows Mm -hmm. and um i think it was pretty cool the staff role it was kind of weird because it felt like a little bit felt like nighttime music or something to me Mm -hmm. it felt like kind of twinkly stars or something like that yeah to me it was definitely a lot less fun sounding than dreamland one staff role yeah totally but um you know i i don't know i think it had a really cool progression like the song starts out and then it you know it adds more and adds more and adds more which i thought was pretty cool but yeah to me it had a little bit more where Dreamland one was super fun and kind of like, yeah, you did it. And this one was a little bit more like almost sad. Like I There's felt when I beat left. it, I was just like, yeah, like this, the game is over and yeah, there is no Kirby three. There is no Dreamland three yeah. ever. <laughs> so now it, it was, it was a cool track. It, you're right though. Like I totally agree with you. It didn't have that same kind of peppy, like mm-hmm. let's do it again kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like that's how I felt with Dreamland one. And this didn't have the same thing, but it's still a cool track. I don't know why, but I feel like, just in my head right now, I'm seeing like twinkling stars and like mm-hmm. a moon and like it's kind of dark and people standing over a cliff looking at, I don't know, the ocean. Yeah. You know, that, and actually, when you said how the first one was very fun and kind of like, let's do it again, that actually reminded me that when you beat Dreamland 1, it says like, oh, extra missions and you get to play through as it harder. Whereas in Dreamland 2, they didn't do that. Yeah. It wasn't like here, let me make sure that you know you can play it again. Well, Dreamland 2 was hard enough. Yeah. You know, like it, it took me like so much longer to beat than because mm-hmm. we, we beat both of these games together. Like right. we kind of made it our mission to like, let's just clear these and yeah. you know, get them done. You know, Dreamland won like 30, 30 minutes and this was probably a few hours, you know, mm-hmm. and, but it was a good game. It really was. And I could see that back in the day, if I would have played it, you know, back in the day, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot mm-hmm. because of the challenge. And I would have, spent a lot of time going through and trying to collect everything probably never would have got a hundred percent, but right. I would have spent a lot of time doing it or at least trying attempting it. Anything else you want to add? No, I think we covered everything about this point. Awesome. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. So again, we covered Kirby's dreamland one and two for the game boy and they're both 
pretty good games, you know, worth playing for sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, they're only a couple bucks on the eShop. So if you're interested in the games after hearing this episode, then definitely check them out. Yeah, I think it was worth, you know, all what, five, six bucks that we paid for it. Right. It's good having them on the system. Anyways, that's the show. Thanks for listening. You can visit us online at pixelatedaudio.com where we're going to have all the show notes and the tracks from all the songs we played. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and leave us a review. Yeah, we'd really appreciate it. You know, feel free to comment on the articles and the episodes that we post on the website. It'd be pretty cool. We'd like to get some interaction with our with our listeners. It'd be really, really fun. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys. Anyways, the track taking us out is called Kirby's Cabbage Salad. It's an awesome ska kind of hypno track from the remixer Yama Yama on OC Remix. Thanks again and keep an eye out for the next show. <laughs>